Whitney. I'm Danielle, and we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Okay, today's podcast is going to be a juicy one, don't you think, Quit? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am such a fan of our guest today. We actually met, how long ago do you think we met her, Wit? I don't even know, but it was memorable. It was memorable, and it was, I think it was at the beginning of creating Sakara. She's amazing, and her name is Kim Anami. If you haven't heard of her, she is a sexuality, sensuality coach. Her coaching is a spiritual synthesis of two decades of Tantra, Taoism, Osho, transpersonal psychology, philosophy, and a host of quantum growth accelerating practices she uses to propel clients into higher stratospheres of connection, intimacy, energy, and creativity. She's also a vaginal weightlifter. If you're curious as to what that is, we'll maybe we'll ask her to explain it today. It's pretty self-explanatory, but she also has some amazing videos on YouTube that you can check out. Her writings on love, life, and sex, Graced Playboy, Elle, Oprah Magazine, Marie Claire, Allure, Glamour, and many more. One of Kim's mottos is, life-changing sex makes anything possible. I'm so excited that we get to have this conversation with her today and that we get to share it with all of you. Enjoy. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. So Kim, we are so happy to have you on the Sakara Life podcast with us. Can't wait to share some of your knowledge with our Sakara Light listeners they have no idea what they are in store for today. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Many orgasms. That's what you're in store for. Oh, Thank my God. Thank you for having me. <laughs> if you do the work, if you build it, they will come. Well, before we dive into all the juiciness, we wanted to start by asking you, what is your mission here on this planet? Orgasmic enlightenment. My mission is to show people the power of their sexual energy in their lives and to teach them how to use it as a conscious source that they can plug into any times. And I often say, forget coffee, forget psychedelics, you can have sex instead and get to even higher, more transcendent places. Wow, it's already hot. <laughs> why is sex. So why, why do you consider it so powerful that it can transcend people into a different place in life? 
Well, sexual energy is your life force energy. This is the energy that creates new life. And if you're not creating babies with it, you can actually take that energy and then harvest it, I like to say, and channel it into everything that you do, using it as a creative, rejuvenating and healing power. It's just that most people have been so conditioned. There's all this global suppression around sexuality. People internalize things like that. They have trauma. And all of these things obscure this natural energy that everybody has access to. And how did you access that information? You know, often Whitney and I talk about how we found our mission by kind of hitting our personal rock bottom with our health. And then we used food as a tool to transform our health. So how did you, is this something that you were born with this knowledge or was it something you found? I guess a bit of both. I mean, I think everyone's born with it. It just depends how much conditioning layers over top of that and suppresses it. So for me, I always had an awareness of my sexual energy from a young age and this intuitive sense that it was like this energetic portal to higher spiritual states of consciousness. Like that was my intuitive sense. And then my early sexual encounters reinforced that. They were really cataclysmic and self-actualizing. And of course, that goes contrary to the dominant narrative in our culture. And then in my early 20s, I discovered Tantra and Taoist sexual philosophies. And I was like, oh, all right. So here is a framework that's thousands of years old where people looked at sex the same way that I've been intuiting, which is, it's a method to reach higher states of awareness. It's a healing and rejuvenating tool. It's a way to expand your state of consciousness. Like, yes, it feels good and it's pleasurable, but for me, I've always been even more interested in these deeper kind of enlightening applications of what sex can really do for us. So you have a quote that says most people subsist on a steady diet of fast food sex that is neither fulfilling nor nourishing. Like a poor diet, the effects build up over time. So Whitney and I talk a lot about how so many people walk around feeling okay with just feeling okay and they don't even realize that they can feel better. And so one of the amazing parts of this job is that we get to help unlock or reveal for people how much better they can actually feel. And I think when people think about food, um, it's really kind of obvious the change once they've tried Sakara, kind of what they were eating to what they're eating with us. So can you kind of paint the picture of what the fast food sex is versus the sex that you're speaking to? Yeah, so I use the analogy of junk food sex versus gourmet sex. And yeah, it's just that most people don't know what they don't know. And so if they're subsisting or not feeling that good or settling for a lower quality experience, they don't know what's even possible. So a huge part of what I do is educating people about what's possible for everyone. And so just like junk food and gourmet food, junk food might, you know, temporarily satisfy you or as an illusion seems that it satisfies you, but yet you'll have this spike in your blood sugar and then a peak and then a decline where people will crash and sometimes even pass out, you know, they'll feel cranky and where gourmet food will make you feel energized and rejuvenated and clear-minded and it actually has a long-term effect of building your system. 
and adding something valuable to your system. And the same thing with junk food sex and gourmet sex. Like the most maybe junk food example would be porn-induced masturbation, right? Like sort of very quickly bust out an orgasm, very low vibration kind of experience versus being very connected, mind, body, spirit with someone exchanging all of this energy and, you know, like I said, reaching these high states of consciousness and bliss with each other. And that kind of experience feeds you going forward. Like you walk out of an experience like that and go about your day and you're floating. You feel high, you feel energized, you feel happy, you feel patience and compassion that you didn't have before. And all of that's been built into you from these experiences. So that's what I, my whole mission really is about explaining the difference, showing people what's possible, and then showing them how to get there, which is more about this gourmet sex, higher level kind of experience. And where does somebody start? You know, if they're feeling like they're just having, eating the, the fast food sex all the time, um, and they're not feeling good in their body, and maybe they haven't had that gourmet sex before, and so, you know, maybe they're, they're not even feeling too much of their libido being turned on. They're not really even hungry for sex. Where, where should somebody start? Well, a couple of things. I have a, a great video on YouTube called Gourmet Sex. And my Orgasmic Enlightenment podcast has all kinds of episodes on these things. I think one of the first places is just trying to re-educate, like I said. So many people are really just the victim of the, the mass programming and misinformation that's out there about sex. And that's partly why I use the word enlightenment is because, no, 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 there's like, there's a whole other field of knowledge and information out there for people to learn about. So there's those places. I have some free video series on my website. I have a couple of classes called, one's The Wealth Fucked Woman, one is called Vaginal Kung Fu. And I've got some free video series attached to those where there's actual techniques that they can practice. So I'm giving people the information and then I'm also giving them things that they can practice, right? So different ways to self-pleasure, different ways to actually make love that you're, as I said, harvesting the sexual energy. There's breathing techniques that people can use and get in touch with these experiences. And even things like, you know, often what I recommend for people to kickstart the process is a 30-day sex challenge. So if anyone is got some extra time on their hands or even doesn't, you can still make the time to do these things is to commit to that, right? And you just get that stuff in gear. It's like going on a cleanse, you know, like a food cleanse that starts to shift your awareness and your focus. And then your body starts to feel better, right? Your mind starts to feel clearer. And then your body and your mind are craving this new way of doing things. You're craving this new food or start to crave the sexual connection as a place to get energy from, right? Often one of the excuses that people give is, oh, I'm too tired to have sex or I don't have time to have sex. But once you start having regular sex and you realize how it energizes you, your body and your brain are like, when are we having sex again? I need some energy, right? Like I talk about my coffee breaks that I use in my life where I'll take a, I don't do coffee, I do orgasms. 
and I'll go and take throughout the day. If I need a little pick-me-up, I'll go and have a self-pleasure break or work with my jade egg or grab my partner to be like, hey, I need a little boost. So let's go make some energy in the bedroom and then I'll come back to work. Even if it's, you know, 30 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever, it might be longer than that. But that's what I look at as a place to get energy from. So there's this whole reframing that once we get in motion, it's like the law of momentum then our brain and our body are on board and we don't have to force ourselves to do these things. We just start naturally reaching for healthier choices, say in food, but also in intimacy, realizing that this isn't going to, oh, I'm too tired to have sex. It's not, if you're feeling tired, go have sex because that's what's going to give you a boost. I love that you talk about that because I think so many people, especially women, especially you know, new mothers or, you know, anyone that just feels busy and not necessarily, doesn't necessarily think of sex as something that fills them up, rather can make them feel depleted. And so is this 30-day challenge one of the ways to start to remember that sex can be a place where we fill up? Absolutely. Yes. And there's a great story. There's a couple I'd read about probably 10 plus years ago and they'd been together for about 20 years and they had four children between them and sex had just become, you know, one of these things that was lower on their list of priorities, but they realized it, or at least the woman realized it. And so her husband's 40th birthday was coming up and she's like, you know, I'm going to give my husband a very special present, 365 days of sex. Every day for the next year, we're going to have sex. (laughs) I know. And and she was like this Christian woman, you know, she wasn't like some revolutionary liberated it was just like this was her you know she considered this an important part of their relationship in her life and so even her husband was like what like you know that's kind of unspontaneous we're just going to have sex every day she's like honey we don't do anything unless it's planned we don't get to the dentist we don't go you know what I mean we need to plan things and so he agreed and so they did it they had one year of sex every single day and both of them at the end of the year said by far that was the best year of their marriage and you know that they realized that sex really was this glue and this energy source and this thing that greased the wheels of their entire relationship and there were some days when maybe they didn't feel like it so much but they still committed to their practice and inevitably always felt better afterward right so I just love them as this example of sometimes things have just gotten you know we, we put it low on the list of priorities because we don't know we don't realize that this is a power source and that our relationship is a power source right so not just our sexual energy as a general thing but our intimate relationship i talk about this notion of you know power couples but super power couples is that when a couple has a conscious sexual relationship they're tapping into this energy and power and then they're channeling this and they increase their productivity their creativity their effectiveness in their world in their work in their lives as parents as a unit tenfold or even a hundredfold because now they're this unified force i love that and you also talk about how when we have a good relationship with our vulvas, our vaginas, that we also have more creativity. Can you talk about that? 
Yes. Well, like I said earlier, sexual energy as being creative life force energy. When we start to tap into these parts of ourselves, then we become, it's like taking this energy and then channeling it out into the world. And I teach a lot of exercises and things like breathing practices to learn how to recirculate that energy in our system and then literally have it at our fingertips, right? This energy is at our genitals and at our fingertips to use in the world. And so people often realize like as a result of becoming more tapped into their sexual energy, people will often have spontaneous career changes because suddenly they're living more in alignment with their true authentic selves and things that they were doing that were maybe like a pay the jobs kind of pay the bills kind of a job. They realize, okay, this isn't an expression of my true self. And they just naturally start gravitating towards things that are. And I have a story about a woman years ago who came to see me and this is when I was doing kind of a combination of like life coaching and intimacy coaching and sex coaching and so she came to me and she said look you know I'm single right now but I don't really I'm not I'm, not, I'm fine with that you know like I'm actually wanting to look at a, a career change she was working in this bureaucratic government job and I said all right well look here's an assignment for you I want you to self-pleasure every day for the next two weeks you know I get that you're happy where you are and that's fine but let's just try that as part of my home play that I'm giving you, right? So it's two weeks go by. She starts having these different feelings like she wants to go out and buy new clothes. Like she's taking on a new exercise, like things that we didn't even talk about, right? Like most people, if you go to see a career coach, they'd be like, let's list out the things that you're interested in and your hobbies and your interests and try to do this vocational test for you. And I'm like, no, just go home and fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself every <laughs> single day. And that will be the change that leads you into a new dimension. So after about a month, we didn't even talk about this. She suddenly quits her job out of the blue and goes to sign up and do this yoga teacher training in Thailand. And she's got this trip planned. And I was like, bingo, there it is, right? Once you get this actual energy flowing, people become more in harmony with their true natures and they start to give their gifts, right? Our sexual energy is our reproductive DNA blueprint of who we are. And when we start enlivening that energy in ourselves, we begin to become self-realized. We start to express our deeper truth and nature out in the world. And that even extends into our work and our vocations. And she was a glowing example of that. I'm the best career coach ever. <laughs> I would sign up for career coaching from you. <laughs> yeah. I actually have done your vaginal Kung Fu. You have, Danielle. I don't think I knew that. Oh, really? I didn't tell you. Are you are you a black belt now? Are there <laughs> well, different levels like that? Well, I just signed up this year. And so I'm a little behind. I'm kind of doing it at my own pace. But it's amazing. And I just love, I love how you remind us that sexual pleasure, intimacy, that connecting to that life force energy is everyone's right. Because I think I grew up feeling, you know, like reading in the magazines and whatever, you know, only some women can have some type of orgasm and G-spot's real. Wait, no, it's not. And um, I don't know. And, and it just, I never, I never understood that it was like everyone's right necessarily the way that you outline it. And even though I'm not through the class, I think it helped me realize that I don't know, maybe this sounds a little cheesy, but gave me like a little hope. Like I, I, I have a good relationship with my husband and sexuality, but you made me feel like there's just so much yet to discover and uncover. And it made me even more excited than I might normally be. 
I'm so glad to hear that. Well, it's the Anami guarantee. And the Anami guarantee is that everyone can. Every woman, every man has a high libido. Every woman can have vaginal orgasms, G-spot orgasms, cervical orgasms, and ejaculate across the room. Every man can learn how to have sex for hours at a time and separate orgasm from ejaculation. Everyone can. I absolutely guarantee it. I did, you know, if someone tells you, oh, just some women can or just some people can do that, they're wrong. And they're obviously not connected to their own. They've never had these experiences themselves. And so, frankly, they're bad teachers. <laughs> but the reason I guarantee it is just because people have taken in a lot of misinformation, a lot of programming. And once people clear out these blocks, as I said, get a real true picture of what's possible, and then the, t- the tools of how to get there, they get there. I see this over and over and over again. I've worked with women who... You know, plenty of women come to me and they bought the same story. Oh, they tried to have a G-spot orgasm and then they didn't. And so they just thought, oh, I guess I'm one of those women who can't do it. And I said, no, everyone can. And they go home that very night just because they trusted me. They dared to try again and boom, they have their very first G-spot orgasm. And not everyone, it doesn't automatically happen that quickly. Some people have more work to do. And this is a huge piece that most I would say conventional thinking overlooks is that it's not just about mechanics, right? I'd say mechanics is about 10% of the, of the journey. The rest of it is the inner world. It's kind of like with food. If you were just to go on a crash diet, okay, that's part of it, but there's whole other, you know, mental, emotional reasons why people eat or why people eat destructively, right? That that's the, a huge part of the puzzle. And the same thing around sex and intimacy. So I look at all of these underlying ways that people are blocked and a huge, you know, piece of this for women is the art of surrender, learning to open, to receive, to be vulnerable, to be raw, to go deep into these places of spiritual, sexual surrender. And those are the deeper keys to all of these, you know, amazing varieties of orgasms that aren't just talked about. You know, the the typical Western model of orgasm is the clitoral orgasm. And, and it probably, you know, it is probably the easiest to prove in a lab or to replicate, but that's where they're completely in the dark is that there's all these other factors that combine into getting to these places and they're not just physical. And okay, we need to go back for a second here because you're talking about clitoral orgasms, G-spot orgasms and cervical orgasms. And I think you were the first person I ever heard talk about cervical orgasms before. And you talk about anal orgasms too. And nipple and throat <laughs> gasms and full body orgasms wow. and energy orgasms and orgasms. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, wow. I think people, they didn't even know that all those existed. I didn't know that all of those existed. Um, can we talk about those a little bit? And like, and how, yes. do, you, how do you get there? Well, <laughs> that's a long answer. But um, look, all of these different areas, the Taoists mapped out reflexology points in the vagina. And so just the way we have these reflexology maps on our ear or our hands or our feet, they also map them out in the genitals. And Get so, out of here. That's yes. the same, just like on our feet and our ears. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. On the penis okay. and in the vagina. And so the cervix point is considered to be the heart point in women. And so in order to get to these places, we have to have an open heart. And there's um, an energy pathway that goes all the way up from the cervix to the crown chakra through the heart. And this is also the path of the vagus nerve, which is considered to be the most spiritual nerve in the body. So cervical orgasms are what I call the queen of all female organs, orgasms. The cervix is the epicenter for femininity in women. And when women are having these orgasms on a regular basis, this is what I call good fuck medicine. This is essential life-changing medicine for women. And you can get through, you can pass over thousands of hours of therapy by having lots of cervical orgasms. I've done it myself. It's one of the best personal growth tools. And this is why I'm such an advocate of it is because women need to know that this is their birthright and this is available to them as this incredible tool for transformation. And so these orgasms are like full body, full being, ecstatic experiences. So instead of more of a localized experience at the genitals, it spreads out through the entire body. So it's a full body, tingling, blissful sensation. Plus, you feel like you've taken some kind of a drug. Like when, back in the days when I used to do such things, I used to liken it to taking ecstasy, right? Like you have this total feeling of oneness with yourself. Your heart is cracked wide open. You walk around into the world and you just feel like you're really centered in yourself, right? You're in your own skin. And you magically are just in this flow. You have the right answer for everything. Problems don't bother you. You don't feel challenged. You have infinite compassion. Like all of these things that you wear that become integrated into you. And so that's what I say is that it's not just about this physical payoff of pleasure. There's these other multidimensional factors that are so integral as a path for enlightenment, as self-actualization. And that's what I'm most passionate about. So the cervix is sort of top of that chain. And then there's all these other places in the body. So even throat gasms. Like, you know, it's, ironically, that movie Deep Throat years ago, which was made as a kind of a joke, like, oh, you can find your clitoris in your throat. Well, actually, <laughs> you know, that's the throat chakra. And often I say, if you really want to find your true voice, have a lot of um, deep throat and blowjob experiences, because the more throat stimulation you have, you're opening up energy in that part of your body and liberating your voice. So all of these different orgasms, our whole bodies are pleasure centers, right? And these, like the ones that I mentioned are some of the more specific places, although you can get to the point where you're so in tune and you've opened up all of your energy channels and meridians to these practices that I can have an orgasm just from thinking about my partner. I can have an, a clitoral or a cervical orgasm from having my elbow touched because you then, you know, once you've tapped into these places, then you can just access them by thought without even having to have the physical stimulation. Wow. And I love that it makes sex and pleasure such a selfless act. Like if I get to walk around more connected to spirit with more compassion and kindness, that means that I should probably have a lot more orgasms for the world. <laughs> for the world, exactly. exactly. Don't do it for yourself. Service. <laughs> do it for the world. <laughs> that, that would be a great meme. Don't, have, don't just have, don't be selfish. Don't just have yeah. orgasms for you. Exactly. No, don't be selfish. Don't clean the house. Serve the world and have more orgasms. Exactly. So I got my, basically my entire team to listen to your podcast. Um, 
which I don't and, know if that's HR appropriate, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This I, is Sakara, so I, I put okay. it under the I put it under the guise of like you know I like this part of the podcast like where you interview clients and um, I kind of put it under the guise as research. But I love where you talk about uh, kind of what men want and what women want. So could you give us kind of like a brief overview? Well, I would say that like truly, truly say, want. <laughs> right. Well, I'd say one of the best turn-ons or biggest turn-ons for women would be having a part like is having a man who's really strong and confident and dominant and takes charge and is able to create a sense of safety and strength like if we talk about energetic polarities right like masculine energy and feminine energy as archetypes right so masculine qualities are typically more like getting out there and achieving things in the world and taking taking responsibility taking action feminine energy is more receptive open soft surrendering learning how to really take it right and so the more that these are exaggerated within couples that's what really nourishes us is that experience of our opposite this is why 50 Shades of Grey was this mammoth hit is because it really played on these archetypal energies of masculine and feminine, of opening and submission, of control and domination and strength and trust and power, all of these things. And so I'd say that women really want to have a partner who's present and available, but is also willing to step into those masculine energies, right? Because that gives her a space to feel like, okay, I can open and relax. You've got this, right? Like David Data talks about the ideal birthday present for a woman is a guy who's like, look, we're going to go away this weekend. I want you to pack your bags, pack an evening gown, pack a bikini, be ready at six o'clock and we're gone. And, you know, she's just like, he's taking care of all the plans and she just has to kind of go, okay, I just need to show up. You've got this, right? That's what women feel like they can open and relax into. And I can see both of these smiling as I say this and I tell this story, like <laughs> nodding in unison. Oh yeah, that sounds great right now. Yeah, sign me up. Right. And it's kind of the opposite for a man. Like the man would rather feel like he has complete freedom to experience those things so the more that a woman reinforces a sense of trust to her man right so let's say the you know one of the prime complaints that men will give is like feeling that they're being nagged or controlled or nitpicked right and this is this circular issue because if women don't feel like they truly trust their partner to take charge then they will take charge and they will overcompensate and they will step in and start taking the lead and then the man will back off and be like all right well obviously my input isn't welcome so I will just shut up and so the woman to reinforce like I trust you I know that you've got this give the man space to take control and start being more initiative um, oriented in their life then he starts to build more confidence and feels more able to step in that role as being a strong person a protector like these are archetypal energies and they might seem a little bit old-fashioned or outdated but I tell you like if you if you have like the the analogy of let's say a couple right and it's sexy time and he comes up to the woman and he's like got his eyes down and he's all kind of nervous and uncomfortable he's like um honey if you're uh if you're not busy later do you think um maybe uh maybe you'd like to have sex with me and she's gonna be like uh no I'm not having sex with that energy right she'll be like I've got laundry to do like get out of here man and yet if he comes up to her 
you know, grabs her, slams her into the wall, puts her wrists over her head, takes his knee and opens up her legs and growls into her neck. He's like, I'm going to fuck the shit out of you. And then picks her up and walks her into the bedroom and throws her down into the bed. She's going to be like, oh, I had a million appointments today, but they don't mean anything now, (laughs) right? Like we want to feel that strength and that energy and that power. That's that archetypal masculine. And then for the man to feel like his woman really gives him that trust and that surrender that's the most delicious thing in the world for him to feel like his woman is like open right I'm completely open to you and I surrender and I trust that you've got this that's the delicious most beautiful interplay that feeds us on these archetypal not very politically correct but archetypal levels if we're willing to admit it and seriously, 200 million Fifty Shades of Grey vaginas were willing to admit it, gushing <laughs> and getting wet all over the place. And does this, are you talking about archetypal kind of masculine, feminine energies? So is it regardless of gender or gender association? Exactly. Like there can be people with those different archetypal energies, regardless of what body they're in. But I believe one thing I just don't really buy is a neutralization right? As though, as though there's none of that. Like to me, that's, that's more conditioning. I believe that we all, like even in, you know, typically like we've come into this different era now, but in say gay and lesbian relationships, you have a top and a bottom, a butch and a femme. Like there's even this acknowledgement that these different energies are at play and that's polarity, right? That's like a negative charge and a positive charge attract each other. If you have two negatives and two positives, they repel. Right. And that's often a source of a lack of chemistry and a lack of spark in a relationship is this neutralization of energy. Mm. Yin and yang. Exactly. Yes. We live in a world of duality, not neutrality. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, you've mentioned conditioning a couple times now. And I do think that it plays such a huge role into our sexuality and our sexual energy and that openness. I have been watching Little Fires Everywhere. I don't know if you've seen that show. It's with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. And it's set in the 90s. And her daughter is gay. And it's like a big deal. And everybody's, she gets made fun of at school. And it's just, it's not to be talked about. And um, just, it made me think back to the 90s and, you know, growing up in this time where sex wasn't supposed to be talked about. And, you know, especially for girls, like we weren't supposed to be sexual beings and we weren't supposed to have, you know, let alone have feelings for same sex or, you know, be exploring our sexuality like that. And I think that that has carried into our desire um, or lack thereof to be open, like you're talking about, to feel safe because we've been so, you know, feeling levels of shame around our sexuality. So how do you, how do you start to break through that, that conditioning and feelings of shame or, or whatever else we might be having? I'd say one of the major blockages and pieces of conditioning that women receive is Madonna whore, right? This is another archetype that's woven throughout most, if not all major religions, is that the woman cannot be a sexual and spiritual being, 
right? And it's funny that these major religions are the one place where they separate sex and spirituality, you know? And instead of uniting that, where these ancient practices and ancient cultures and still some cultures around the world unite them, they're seen as, you know, parallel pathways. So, and I believe that, and so this is one of the major blockages. You know, we see this reinforced everywhere, right? This Madonna Horthy women are there. They cannot be sexual, highly sexual beings. They're either virgins or they're whores, right? There isn't this happy place for women to be voracious, sexual, healthy creatures. And so that is one of the major places for women to work on. And even for men, because we've all absorbed this conditioning, right? Women judge themselves. They judge other women and men judge women for this. And so I believe the origin of this came from wanting to ensure that a male's partner was carrying his child because if women are super out there and sexual, they could bring back other babies, right? And I think that's why there's this universal effort to suppress female sexuality because men don't have the same suppression, right? Men are given much more permission to be open and free with their sexuality, but women have less. And not that men don't still experience shame and abuse, they do, but women much more of it, right? And I believe that's the origin of it. So it's it's understanding that, first of all, where did this come from? Right. This was a, an, a manufactured conditioning and very likely because of the cause that I've cited, right, to control women so that they're only bearing your child. <laughs> I think the stats on that, even these days, despite that conditioning of women who bring other children into their marriages, unbeknownst to their partner, it's kind of alarmingly high. Right. You'd be shocked. And so. There's still, I think that's the major source. So it's for women to really own that. And I think that one of the things I've noticed as women become really in touch with their sexual energy is they start to not give a shit what other people think about that. And so this isn't by trying not to give a shit. It's simply by reconnecting to their sexual energy, whether they're self-pleasuring or you know, self-practicing or in a conscious partnership. When they start to really inhabit their sexual energy, they reach this threshold. And I see this over and over again. And it's one of the realizations I've had of a milestone in a woman's sexual awakening is that when she starts to not give a shit, she's reached the other side. And so I've had, you know, countless examples where, you know, women clients of mine, for example, they, like, I remember there was this one woman who was about 47 and going through pseudo menopause or worried about it or buying into that story. And she had a teenage daughter who was about 18. And so she was doing this work with me and clearing sexual block blockages from this conditioning and some past abuse stuff that she'd had. And then she's like, you know, calls me up and she's, oh, we just went to the topless beach, like she and her daughter, you know, and they're like really just walking around owning their bodies. And I'm like, what a beautiful mother-daughter experience. Mm-hmm. And, and just that she's got this confidence now that she didn't have. And I see this over and over again. And so that's just the product of them owning that sexual energy is people start to display this confidence that they didn't have before. So just by doing that work, they can overcome this conditioning and programming of the horror and the slut or whatever it is, right, about women by doing this work. It's sort of ironic that by becoming more sexual, they learn to then flout these conditions, but that's how it works. Yeah, and it's also interesting that the work is to stop caring so that you can surrender. I mean, it's really hard to surrender when you care what people think, 
it's, it's almost impossible. It's like, that's why you keep your walls up so you can constantly kind of give the image or the narrative that you want to put out in the world. You can't, you can't really surrender when you care what other people think. Well, the beautiful thing about the sexual work is you go into the lab of your bedroom and you start revving up your sexual engine. And by doing that, then as you walk out into the world, you are changed. So you're not trying not to care. You're not trying to surrender. The only surrender you really need to cultivate is in the bedroom, right? Within yourself and with your partner. And then you wear that, you inhabit a different level of energy and self-possession that you then walk out into the world with. And I talked, I did a podcast a little while ago on sex, intimacy, and immunity. And not only are all these physiological benefits of sexual contact for building immune you know, properties in the system, but you build an energetic and emotional and psychological and spiritual immunity to all things, right? To negativity, to energy vampires, to social programming, all of this stuff you begin to be immune to because you're much more self-possessed. Yeah. And sometimes we, at Sakara, we talk about this concept of body intelligence and we often have people practice cultivating that body intelligence through diet, through nutrition, through becoming conscious of what they're eating and um, then listening to their bodies. Like, how do I feel after I eat certain foods? Am I actually hungry right now? When am I full? Am I thirsty? Um, Am I hungry because I'm bored or emotional? Like really getting in tune with the physical body and starting to to feel your body. And I feel like um, another, just a, a different door into body intelligence is what you're talking about through sex and through practice that the same way that with food, that it takes time and it takes practice to get to know your body. It's, it's something you have to put work into with sex as well. Um, starting to discover yourself and your body's signals so that you can really tune into that body intelligence. And then one thing that I love that you talk about is how good sex can keep you young. I think that's something people don't talk about. How, how can it keep us young? Well, Every time you have sex, you're giving yourself this incredible acupressure treatment, right? There's all of these points in the vagina, on the penis, and so you're getting this entire rejuvenative boost in your system. And there's also, I get the actual compounds in the body, but even Dr. Oz has said that having 200 orgasms a year will take seven physical appearance years off of your life. It's a pretty big statement, right? So you're, I mean, again, this is your life force energy. And if you're in tune with it, you begin to show that, right? And all of your cells are being rejuvenated. Your body is being rejuvenated. You're constantly producing all of these healthy hormones and neurotransmitters from dopamine to serotonin, you know, GABA, all of these things, all of these antidepressant qualities in your system. And so estrogen production increases, like you get shinier hair and more glowy skin, your pheromone production increases. And so people like are more attracted to you because you're radiating this beautiful magnetism and charisma and ownership. So I have this practice that I give people called meditate, masturbate, create. And so this is when you 
take, say, like when I go and do my coffee breaks during the day, this would be a practice I might use where I would meditate or chant for 10 or 15 minutes. And one of my favorite meditation tools is chanting the word hue, H-U. It's an ancient name for God, spirit, energy. You just close your eyes and you chant like hue. And then I would self-pleasure for let's say at least 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, could be even 15 minutes. And then I'm breathing. I do this breathing practice. And I have a really good video about this called Self-Pleasure 101 on my YouTube channel. It explains how to do it. So you do breathing as you're self-pleasuring, deep breathing, and then go do something. Go do something creative. Like that could be anything from writing to gardening to playing a game with your children, cooking, anything that you're just consciously thinking, I'm putting my energy into this. And that is a way to tap into that. And so I'd given this assignment a couple of years ago. I, I released this as a challenge for my followers. And this woman emailed me, I think, uh, a week later. And she said, look, I tried to meditate, masturbate, create practice. And then I was walking in town the next day. And she said, I'm walking down the street on the sidewalk. And this guy from across the street comes galloping, running over to me. And he's like, I need to have your number. You're absolutely beautiful. And she's like, she's not a supermodel. Like she's like a lovely, you know, attractive woman. But he could feel this energy radiating from her from across the street and had to, to be part of it, right? So she's already wearing this sexual vitality and energy. And then she said, even later that day, this other guy comes up to her. And he's like, whoa, I just need to tell you that you are absolutely stunning. You know, and walks away. She's like, I can see this. I am actually wearing the properties of these energies now on myself mm-hmm. is that going to be your light work <laughs> yes light work. meditate masturbate <laughs> create <laughs> that's a good one before we get to light work though I did want to talk a little bit about menstruation because I love how you talk about how it's like this holy time in a woman's cycle um, and I think that there's we talked about shame earlier. And I think there's a lot of shame for women around menstruation. And for most women, I'd say it's not a time where they think about sex and you talk about how maybe it should be. So can you expand on that a little? Yeah. So look, historically, menstruation was looked at as a power time. This was when the door between worlds opened up for women. And that's the cervix, right? That's the gateway between life and death. It opens at birth and it opens as we through ovulation and then through menstruation. And so these stories that we hear about women being, you know, sequestered, like going into a cave or this private space during their menstruation. And that was not because they were evil or dirty or it was because actually they were having these shamanistic experiences and tuning into the other worlds and then able to bring information back from their experiences. And so that is the true purpose. And I, in the ideal way, like if when women are menstruating, they can take some time and isolate themselves a little bit, even if that means if you're, say, working a day job and you come home, and instead of going out for those nights, especially the first few days of your period, you go home and you insulate, you stay at home right? And you try to minimize the kind of work that you're doing so you can go inside and have those experiences. And I have had some of the most, my top, you know, five or 10 sexual experiences of my life, many of them have been when I was on my period, where somehow that energy of this opening between dimensions was then shared 
and transfer it into the experience with my partner. And where they had absolutely no shame, I certainly had no shame. And we would laugh about it. Like I remember one instance where there was blood all over the sheets, you know, and my partner got up and he's like, wow, it looks like there was a war in here. And I was like, that is such a compliment. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if you're worried about your sheets, have some special period sheets and grab a bunch of towels and put them over the bed. Like when I, you know, I used to do that. I would have towels that I would just keep below the bed and just grab them for those instances, right? So that we're prepared. So periods, I have a big reframe about periods. I have a great podcast called Magical Menstruation where I go deeper into it and talk about how they are actually a time of power for women to go inside and reach those other states of consciousness and bring intuition and creativity and ideas back. And that's what they were in off, you know, in other cultures historically, that's what that time was used for. That's really interesting. And Um, Before we run out of time, I want to ask you about vaginal weightlifting. You are a vaginal weightlifter. Um, If For those listening, if you uh, don't know what that is, maybe Kim will tell us, but you have to go onto her Instagram, Kim Anami, and see some pictures of this. You're lifting surfboards, you're lifting a coconut, you can lift so many different things using the strength of your vagina. Can you, okay, so tell us about this and, and why, yes. why do you practice it? Right. So just like any other muscle of the body, we want to keep our genitals in good shape. And most people have heard of Kegels. Dr. Kegel, back in 1947, created these exercises to strengthen the vagina because he had so many clients, female clients, coming in with incontinence issues. And so he created these exercises. So the thing that most people do not know is that the original Kegel exercise was devised using a device called the Kegel perineometer inside the vagina. And so an integral part of the exercise was using something for strength, resistance, and feedback. And so he had a 90% immediate success rate with his exercises with women and urinary incontinence. And so as... Time went on and other doctors adapted the exercise. For some reason, they removed the idea of having a device inside the vagina and just told women to go randomly flap their vaginas in the wind. And so immediately the success rate tanked 50% and kept going, right? So right now, the Yale University School of Medicine tells us that over 60% of women have issues of urinary incontinence, 60%, like one out of every two women, and 50% of women after childbirth suffer some form of pelvic organ prolapse or POP. So clearly something's not working. And so over the years, women would come to me and be like, you know, I do my Kegels, but it just doesn't seem to be working. And because I'd had, I've been studying Taoist sexual practices for nearly 30 years, I'd learned about the JDA practice which is using a jade egg so that, I mean, most people have heard of this by now, but a stone of jade carved in the shape of an egg that goes inside of the vagina. You attach a string to it, and then you can lift objects with it. And so I had been practicing this and had amazing experiences with it. And I realized that as I'd done all this research, that the reason why this wasn't working, Kegels weren't working for women is because they weren't even doing them right. Like this idea of just flapping your vagina, that's why it didn't work. It's like going to the gym, staring at a rack of weights, 
waving your arms and legs in the air and then going home and, oh, gee, that was a great workout. No, you didn't do anything, right? Like we use the weights so that we can feel the level of, like that's the resistance, like how much feedback we're getting and just the sweet spot, right? That it's not too heavy, but heavy enough that we have to exert some effort. And that's where the vaginal weightlifting practice comes in and the JDA. And so the way I teach it is not just a series of physical exercises, like a routine to use the the vagina, but also a whole emotional, spiritual, energetic, psychological overhaul. Because as I said, combined with all of the conditioning that people internalize, it's important. I'm all about working multidimensional, right? So yes, we do these physical exercises, but there's all of this other stuff that goes with it that we also need to heal and connect with. And so to help really kind of promote this idea. So here's the proof in the pudding, right? Like I believe, as I say, that sexual energy is creative energy. And so I I come up with all of my own marketing ideas. I do all my own copywriting. I come up with all of these concepts. So I thought, wouldn't it be funny to do this sort of like combination of, you know, that traveling gnome that people, you take a gnome and travel around the world with it and take these snapshots and send it back to people. I was like, what if I kind of did that related to the, to vaginal weightlifting. Like I traveled around the world and lifted objects indigenous to various regions with my vagina, with the hashtag things I lift with my vagina. And so I've lifted crystals and green juices in LA and coconuts and papayas in Bali. And I've lifted a Murano glass chandelier in Venice. And I lifted a piece of the Berlin wall at the Berlin wall in Germany, (laughs) the great wall of vagina. So, so, you know, as this way to promote these ideas in a fun and playful way, right. To kind of show people, this is what the power is of the vagina in a way that's playful, but also there's a very deep message underneath that of, Hey, we also need to exercise these parts of our body, not just for the physical power, of reversing urinary incontinence, preventing and treating pelvic organ prolapse, but increasing our sensitivity in the vagina, increasing our pleasure or orgasmic potential and lubrication. Circulation equals lubrication. If women aren't exercising, they have no blood flow, oxygen flow in the vagina. As soon as you start to exercise and engage and articulate those muscles, you get blood flow and you get circulation or you get lubrication. It's really that easy and fast. And I've had women who've had 20 years worth of can't go on the trampoline, can't you know, run and jog, can't exercise without using some kind of a pad. Within one week, they reverse this urinary incontinence. I have women ejaculating across the room because now their vaginas are strong enough to push out ejaculate. All of this by using the jade egg and doing these practices. Wait, is that the secret to female ejaculation? We might have to have you back on another (laughs) Sakara podcast to talk about. Two, three, four. It's one of the secrets, yes, because with a weak vagina, you can't actually push out the ejaculate. It's thought that some women ejaculate, but because their vaginas are so weak, they can't push them out. But most women have weak and numb vaginas simply because they're not connecting to them. And so that's a major reason why women don't even want to have sex is because they can't feel anything in their vaginas. And so they think that they're not enjoying sex. They think that they have a low libido because they have a numb vagina. So as soon as people start to get that sensation, articulation, feeling back, their libido goes up through the roof. Yeah, I like how you talk about that in your vaginal kung fu class about 
not just the importance of the jade egg, but just like getting to know your vagina, that you have so many kind of like spots and areas um, and that it's very complex. And how many women spend time just getting to know that? I would say mostly zero or very few. Um, and so the jade egg and using your own hands as a tool to not only get to know yourself, but you talk about how it wakes up your vagina and you start to make new neural connections from kind of like your emotional, spiritual place to your vagina. Yes, beautifully said. I mean, this is a power source. And when we're inhabiting that, then we, it changes us as a person. And this is, I think, the source of so many reproductive ailments, the symbology of that, right? When people are cut off from their genitals or cut off from their breasts, they literally end up being cut off, right? The, the dissociation is that strong. And so a huge piece of this practice is that reconnection. And yes, like on that physiological level, inhabiting and resurrecting these neural pathways that have been deadened over the years. And it's a beautiful process to watch women wake up their vaginas and then activate them. I believe that our reproductive organs, our breasts, our ovaries, uterus, vagina, they all have a creative purpose, right? And even women who've had surgeries and they've had these things removed, they can still tap into the energetic qualities of these places as a phantom live. But even more, when you still have them there, right, doing these kinds of breathing practices and exercises, using the egg and the kind of work that I teach to integrate that and harness the power of these organs because they all have superpowers. Well, I think that's a great, we're probably going to say the same thing. I think that that is a great tie-in into our light work. So if you could please just share your light work exercise with our Sakara Light listeners. It's a way that they can put some of this, um, what we talked about today, into practice and help them shine their lights a little brighter. So my assignment for everyone is meditate, masturbate, create. And I would suggest doing this for seven days minimum straight. And even if it takes you 15 to 30 minutes would be a good amount of time. So the meditate portion is spend, let's say, five to 10 minutes in some form of meditation. One of my favorite things to do is to chant the word hue. This is an ancient name for God, spirit, energy, the universe. Rumi actually mentions this word in his writing, H-U, and it's um, so you can sing that out loud or inwardly five or ten minutes and then go into the self-pleasuring portion and so this is then consciously touching your genitals bring them up to pleasure you don't need to get to orgasm even just stimulating the, the clitoris or if you're a man rubbing your cock and breathing so you want to be taking deep breaths like a four count inhale and a four count exhale this is very important again the goal isn't necessarily to get to orgasm if you get there that's all right but i am much more concerned with you taking this breath and the breath moves sexual energy in the body so this is the harvesting component that i was talking about by breathing deeply throughout sex you're moving and recirculating the energy in your system and then you stop again you can stop without coming to orgasm even better in a way if you don't and then go out and channel that energy into the world so you might feel like you have this buzz you're really energized go do something with that energy whether it's 
writing or painting or gardening or even house cleaning or playing with your children, anything that is a conscious channeling of this energy, even exercise, right? Like think about how you're using this energy in whatever you're doing. And that's the practice is just taking that energy, revving it up, revving up what I call your sexual engine, and then being aware of consciously funneling that into some kind of thing that you do in your life. I love that light work, although I secretly wished your light work was going to be 365 days of sex. <laughs> That's, <laughs> level two. Two. <laughs> That's level two. That's level two. If you want episode. to take out the advanced, yeah, the advanced light work challenge, that would be it. Oh, but Kim, thank you so much. You're so amazing. Thank you for helping all of us step into our feminine, masculine, yin and yang and helping us all shine our lights a little brighter and sexier. <laughs> It was my pleasure, and I love that part of your whole branding and message is about sexy expression and full expression, and I love that you guys really own that. I think it's a powerful part of what you do, so thank you, Mm. too. Thank you so much. We adore you. Wow. I think I learned a lot during this episode. Feeling hot and steamy? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Turned on. Yeah. And I think that feeling turned on in life is turned on in every area of life. You know, it's not just Mm -hmm. in sex, but it's in creativity. It's being turned on at work. It's being just having that life force energy flowing through your body. Yeah. And I think we all forget how important it is to tap into that feeling. And I think we forget how to get there. I love how she talks about sexual energy being life energy, life force energy, and creative energy. I know at Sakara we try to help people to shine their light as bright as they can and give them the tools to strip away anything that might be holding them back from shining their light as bright as possible. And I think that that is in your health life, in your nutrition, and in your workouts, but also in your sexual life, in every area of life. It's important to be doing this. And hopefully people feel inspired to really rev things up in every area of their life. And in light of feeling really sexy, in light of feeling turned on, which is something we want for ourselves and every single Saqqara light out there, we wanted to take a moment to talk about our metabolism super powder. I know that I feel sexiest when I'm feeling really good in my body. And our metabolism is directly connected to our life force energy and how well we are digesting both the foods that we eat and also all of the inputs we are receiving. People around us, conversations, things we see, hear, touch, etc. So we wanted to share with you a recipe for our sexy cinnamon mocha latte, which uses our metabolism super powder in it. It's really easy to make and it's delicious. And it's not only going to rev up your metabolism, but also your libido. Our metabolism super powder contains active ingredients that directly boost your metabolism, help with bloat, help your body release any water retention that you're having, and also decrease sugar cravings. Mm-hmm. I like to make it for myself in the morning. It's such a treat. Um, and it's really easy and delicious. So you just pour yourself a cup of your favorite hot coffee, 
add in your favorite type of plant-based milk. I'm really into macadamia nut milk right now myself. You add in one teaspoon of coconut butter, a packet of our Saqqara Metabolism Super Powder, a little dash of vanilla, a dash of cinnamon, and if you like it a little sweet like I do, then just a dash of pure maple syrup. Toss it all into your blender for 30 seconds and voila, you got yourself a delicious, nutritious, and stimulating sexy cinnamon mocha latte. And that'll really get your juices flowing first thing in the morning, let me tell you. If you want the whole recipe, just go over to www.sakara.com forward slash sexy mocha latte. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Mm-hmm.